0: Mission sequence start. Five, four, Everything.
1: Three. Everything.
2: Sounds. Sounds. This is Everything Sounds. I'm George Drake Jr. I'm Craig Shank, and this is Everything Sounds. In episode 13 of the show, we went to England to talk to an artist by the name of Dominic Wilcox. He was commissioned to make a souvenir of London's East End, and instead of carving a sculpture or painting a picture or compiling a coffee table book worth of photographs, he did something a little bit different.
3: The East End is known for its industry and trade professions, so he went around to local businesses like a bell foundry, a dressmaker, a brewery, and even a salmon cure, and recorded the sounds of them working. He ended up collecting 21 different sounds from around the area, and he put them all on a 10-inch vinyl record. If you haven't heard that episode yet, or you just need a refresher, here you go.
0: You know, we see photographs, we see videos of people making things, whatever. But um, actually, when a maker's at work, they're in their own little world, and they're hearing these sounds every day, and they get they get used to it. it, it it's almost like they don't hear it, maybe. I don't know. Um, so I decided to 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 capture the sounds of makers at work in East London. East London is exceptionally diverse, so
2: choosing which trades to focus on was difficult. Ultimately, he collected 21 different sounds, ranging from
0: a Vietnamese kitchen. There's a local Vietnamese restaurant, you know, and um, sat down and talked to the waiters saying, do you mind if I order some food and go into the kitchen and record the sound of you cooking that food and then eat that food? it was um fried goat and frog's legs which i've never had but it, it sounded wonderful <laughs> to an old school songwriter and he was using a typewriter some glue and some scissors to write his songs and he would write his song print it type it out then if he wanted to change a word he would cut it out with scissors then stick it onto the sheet
2: Go mull beside the
0: mulberry Go quench, sat on the bench I meant to say bench, I said pinch. On the bench, sat at the... Now, see, I've got... There, the bench is all joined up, so I'm going to have to do... Do the bench. I need the bench. And even the sound of the record actually being cut. And that was part of the process, so recording the sound of the people who made this record. That's track one, actually, the sound of a reel-to-reel tape recorder, and vinyl record cutting lathe in a vinyl mastering and cutting suite.
3: The sounds Dominic captured for the project were fantastic, but what really made them special were the stories behind them and the people that made each sound. George and I were inspired by the concept, and we wanted to do something along the
2: same lines. We recently got in touch with a guy named Tom Bills. Tom is an artist and a musician, as well as a crafter. But he doesn't live that close to either Craig or myself, so at first we thought we may need to speak to him over the phone. We thought about it a little bit, and we realized that this is our first chance to present the sound of craftsmen doing their work, and we really wanted to do it justice. So ultimately, we decided to make the trip anyway. Yeah, St. Louis really isn't that far. That's where Tom
3: lives, and he works out of the wood shop he built in his basement.
1: Uh, My name is Tom Bills, and I'm a guitar maker. Tom made his first guitar in 1998, and we'll learn more about that later, but he didn't start making them full-time right away. But it was
2: probably only a year or so after that that I I went into it full-time. He said that in 15 years, he's probably made close to 100 guitars. That's around seven guitars a year, which may not seem like much, but it actually is, considering how long it takes him just to make one.
1: Um, it takes about three months to complete the whole thing, and I have the guitars kind of overlapped so that there are different stages, you know, overlapping. But but around three months, it can take even longer that longer than that for certain really customized projects where I'm attempting like new and like more difficult. Things. There are three types of guitars that Tom makes. He makes both nylon and
3: steel string acoustic guitars and archtop jazz guitars. Tom will be the first one to tell you that his designs are more modern than classic. Each guitar has clean lines and uses a fair amount of wood trim. In the sound hole, the hole that's underneath the strings on the face of most acoustic guitars, he puts those on the side of the guitar
1: instead of the top. I think it's really interesting to take parts of the tradition and blend them into a modern design and I tried to do it in a way that it's still a guitar because I think another interesting aspect of the guitar is that it's kind of a it's almost like culturally defined what is a guitar because I could make a totally random thing and it, it would be a guitar because it would have the right number of strings or whatever but it wouldn't feel like a guitar it wouldn't have the voice of a guitar and so one of the the places where i get really inspired creating is right on the edge of how can i take the agreed upon definition of the guitar of what it is or what a good guitar is and then how can i sort of add some new elements in there without compromising the tradition but making it something kind of fresh
2: now because tom makes custom guitars we wonder just how much customization you can get as Craig just mentioned, there were only three types of guitars that he makes. So the choice of body shape is pretty limited. Um, but
1: I do try to be pretty custom with the wood choices. Um, a lot of the artistic uh, visual refinements, um, the size of the neck is fit, you know, to their hand. And um, my choice of scale length and everything is, is pretty much every detail of the guitar is um, considered and optimized
2: to reach you know, exactly what the customer wants. Sometimes the customizing process goes beyond how the guitar looks and rather to how it sounds. Customers will often come in and try to describe the type of sound they want from the guitar and we'll just leave the rest up to Tom.
1: Communicating sound, what a sound is, is difficult. So if somebody tells me I want a dark sounding guitar, I have to figure out what that means, you know, because it can mean different things. Or I want a a, a guitar that you know has a powerful voice or something what does that exactly mean and that's part of a big big part of my job is just kind of being able to understand and bridge that gap and understand what people are saying because everybody expresses it differently and what one person describes as dark might be actually described as bright to somebody else
3: didn't plan on making guitars for the rest of his life things just worked out that way he was majoring in jazz guitar at webster university it's a mid-sized private school outside
2: of st louis and while he was studying jazz guitar hold on hold on i i actually found out what their school mascot is do you want to know all right sure yeah it's the gorlock gorlock g-o-r-l-o-k the Webster Gorlocks. All right, spelling it didn't really help me out much. Just tell me what it is. Well, according to Wikipedia, the Gorlock has the paws of a cheetah, the horns of a buffalo, and the face of a St. Bernard dog. <laughs> okay, that's ridiculous. But
3: <laughs> I feel a little bit inadequate. We were the Hoosiers. That sounds much more intense.
2: <laughs> um. Well, that's your fact for the day. You can continue now.
3: Alright, thank you for the permission, Mr. Gorlock So he was (laughs) studying jazz guitar at Webster University
2: Webster Gorlocks
3: Alright, thanks Never gonna get old And he
1: wanted to buy an archtop jazz guitar But he couldn't afford one I just never could quite find a way to afford a nice archtop jazz guitar. And so, you know, when I first started I was playing a, a solid body guitar for a while, then I had an acoustic guitar, and it just wasn't a fit, you know, it was really hard to do my performances, recitals, and things.
2: And I needed a guitar. Tom comes from a long line of carpenters, craftsmen, and woodworkers. Both of my grandfathers, and even my great-grandfathers, and my dad. So making his own guitar instead of buying one was always
1: an option. There was always an idea in the back of my mind that maybe I could just build a guitar.
2: But he just didn't act on it. Though after five years, the idea still didn't go away. Um, I This was bouncing around inside me, I should build a guitar, I should
1: build a guitar, and then everyone who I went to to talk about it with said it's too hard you can't do it. One day in the fall Tom was walking through the loop in St. Louis
3: and he saw a music shop down the street. The idea popped into his head that they might have a
1: book on guitar making and he could use that to teach himself how to make a guitar. So anyway I went down to the store and I asked the shop owner um you guys have any books on um, guitar making. He said no we don't have any books but maybe you could talk to my repair guy because I think he made a guitar before. He contacted the repairman
3: and basically set up guitar making lessons, much like you would with standard guitar lessons.
1: I started going over there one day a week uh, and for a couple hours, paying him 20 bucks, He was able to use his tools and learn from his guidance, but those few hours he spent with him each week weren't always enough. I did the majority of the work at my house wherever I could. I think I carved the top um, at the kitchen table and I, um, I was single at the time, so that was more doable.
2: When Tom completed his first guitar, it was as if his whole world began to take shape. Just think about it. He's a jazz guitarist, from a long line of woodworkers who had just made his first jazz guitar out of wood. That's like, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't think of another example.
3: All right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Okay. How about we've got a distance runner who comes from, uh, let's say, a long line of leather workers and he makes his own pair of running shoes out of leather.
2: Damn it. That's a good one. It's
1: not bad. So yeah, and it just kind of like all came together and and um, It happened naturally and and when it when I built the guitar It was like this this unifying of everything that I Was good at in my life that I never thought it would come together like that before Tom was
3: still in school at this point so he'd show up to his lessons with the new guitar he built and Naturally,
1: it started to get noticed and right away. My teachers said wow. That's your first guitar. And uh, eventually the conversation came around to them saying, well, can you make one for me? And I said, well, sure, I can make one for you. (laughs) And so I started making guitars for them, and uh, and that was kind of the first step towards me doing guitars
2: as a profession. Even though the path was laid out for him, he still wasn't sure about being Tom Bill's guitar maker. I still never really, I mean, it's like
1: I was thick-headed or something. It took me a while to really get the image in my mind of me being a guitar maker because i still had my mind focused on being a player or maybe a professor or some of music or something like that you know there are different steps in guitar making that
3: require an assortment of tools but we're going to focus on just a few first it's safe to say that most people know that a guitar needs to be tuned before you play it but something that most people don't know myself included before this is that the body of a guitar needs to be tuned before the neck is even attached. That's done by tapping the body and listening to its acoustic properties.
1: Okay, this part here sounds a little bit tight. So I'm gonna take a little bit of wood off that with some sandpaper. When I'm sanding, I'm listening to the sound of the sandpaper which can change a little bit as I remove the wood, it kind of gives me an indicator of when to stop. How crazy is that? You can hear when to stop sanding, not by tapping, just by sanding. It's really, it's not really, at this point it's not really a note, um, but it's actually, I'm listening to the way the wood is responding. I guess Um, at first it sounds kind of like a thick piece of wood and as you bring it down to the optimal thickness it begins to have more of a voice it becomes more alive sounding I would say alive might be the best way it gets a little musical a little breath into the sound a little airspace kind of too
2: This same process is done with the planing of his arch-top guitars. He's got the top half of the guitar in front of him, and he'll plane it down to begin forming the arch. Then he'll stop, hold it up in the air, and tap it. Now that I thinned it out a little bit,
1: I'm going to tap it a little to see um, what the voice of the piece sounds like at this point. So it still sounds pretty thick. I'm going to remove some more wood and we'll see if we can get it to resonate some more.
2: Now, he literally planed the wood here for another three minutes. So by the end of it, his workbench was absolutely covered in shavings and we expected the sound to, as he said, not be as thick sounding.
1: Should be able to hear some difference now. It already sounds better this way, I can tell. (laughs) Starting to get a little more sustain. Yeah, starting to get a little more breath to it, a little more life to the sound.
2: Craig, I want to play a a quick game here, okay? All right, let's do it. Uh, Wait, is it about the (laughs) Gorlock? No. No, it's not. Um, All right, so I'm going to either play you a tap from before he planed or a tap from after he planed, and you tell me which it is, okay?
3: All right, I'm ready.
2: Okay, here's the first one. Okay, that one is before. Oh,
3: good. Yeah, correct. Beginner's luck. Let's try another one. Okay. Here we go.
2: Play that one one more time. Yeah, sure. I'm going to say that's after the planing. It was a trick. It was actually the same sound. <sighs> Why? I don't know. It was just fun. Give me a new one. <laughs> okay. Here's the last one.
3: I think it's the same one. You're just, you're trying to trick me again.
2: Nope. That one's actually after this time. This is ridiculous. I know, But but he can hear all of those little differences. Here are the two sounds back to back. We'll go before and then after. I feel like I'm losing my mind. (laughs) I can't tell the difference. Play it again.
1: (laughs) It's so subtle. I know. And so it's really just a process of removing more, listening to it, and uh, just repeating each time until I get the same kind of even response that I'm looking for, that uh, liveliness comes into the piece of wood.
3: The most interesting sound that's made during the process might be when he bends the pieces of wood for the sides of the guitar. It's a relatively thin piece of maple, and it involves a water spray bottle and a solid piece of aluminum, or aluminum for some of our listeners overseas. (laughs) Aluminium. (laughs) Aluminium.
2: He lightly soaks the board with the spray bottle, and then he bends it on the piece of aluminum, which is heated to 300 degrees Fahrenheit. And when he bends the wood on it, and not only steams, but it crackles.
1: So the way that the plant cells are made in the wood, um, it has a basically a glue sort of that holds the plant cells together. And when we get the wood wet, when I just take some uh, spray bottle here and I just spray the water on it, soak it a little bit, which introduces some water into the structure of the wood, and then when I heat it to around 300 degrees or more, um, the water gets converted into steam, and when it does, it expands and causes the the cell structure of the wood to be, for, for a second, it's actually movable, so we can sort of readjust it and bend the wood, and then after the wood cools, um, then it retains the shape and the cell structure kind of hardens and sort of resolidifies.
3: Would you consider guitar making an art or a science? Tom's making beautiful guitars and there's art in the craftsmanship, but at the same time, based upon what he just said about knowing the properties of the wood and the way that it forces him to have a scientific approach to the craft, It's hard to say whether it's one or the other.
2: He thinks that you'll know right away if someone is playing something by memory. From their head, a memorized thing. Or if they're really feeling the music that they're playing. Creating something from their heart. Well, that's his approach to making guitars. He doesn't want to make something that's built from a kit or made from designs he found online he wants to put care and creativity into the process. And so that's my goal as, a,
1: as an artist and a guitar maker is to make a guitar that when, when you look at it, when you pick it up and hear it, that you're, you're having an experience, you know, of something that came from my heart and not something that's made by a recipe, you know. But there is science involved building that framework underneath to facilitate the art, I guess. Before we go on, we just want to answer the one question you've probably
3: thought about since the beginning. We asked if he'd ever made a guitar for a famous musician,
2: and the answer is yes. And just so you know, you're not alone. Why do you think we asked it, anyway? Because we're nosy. Because we're what? Nosy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Probably the most famous person um, that owns one of my guitars is Carlos Santana. Um, and it came about in an interesting way. He, he, uh, he's not in, he doesn't endorse my guitars or anything. I should say that just to be safe. But, um, it was an interesting connection, you know, through friends of friends and things. And, uh, we ended up getting to go to, they brought us to a concert when he came to St. Louis, my wife and I, and we got to sit in the front and we got to go backstage and things like that. So that was pretty, that was kind of a neat experience.
2: Because Tom spends so much time with the wood he uses and puts so much of himself into each guitar, he really goes out of his way to learn about the wood that he's using. The stories of the wood not only help him in the creative process, but it also provides something a little extra for the customer and the finished product itself. Um, I'm always on the hunt. When I get a piece of wood, I never buy
1: like a big batch of wood. I buy one piece at a time. I call him and I say, give me your absolute best piece and tell me about the piece you know because that makes me more inspired as a builder and then it's so much richer when i deliver the guitar to the customer and they can they can know that well this piece came here and this is what the story is behind it you know things like that really add to the richness of it
3: we know that tom comes from a long line of carpenters and he's got two sons of his own now so it seems logical not only because of his family's passion for woodworking but also because of his own passion for making guitars, that it could be handed down and appreciated by his sons. Well, Tom hopes so, but he's not entirely sure what the future will
1: bring. I don't know, I I hope it would. I would like it if it did, but I, I definitely don't want to pressure them. Um, the oldest one is almost seven and seems to be very interested. So, you know, I try to bring him in my shop and they're both interested. The youngest one is two and a half. Um, and of course he's he's interested but you know we'll see kind of how they go they seem like they might be like kind of have some some leaning you know towards moving that direction but it's really up to them and so the way i approach it is basically do what my dad did where i was always on his jobs and he was always letting me hold stuff and showing me how to do things and so that's kind of what i try to do is teach them how to be in this environment of the workshop safely and Teach them how to how to be down here without touching the wrong things and and all that, which is which takes a little time, but but I think it pays off because then eventually they're comfortable in the space and and they're uh, able to maybe take the next steps if they're interested.
2: But if his oldest son ever wants to try his hand at guitar making, Tom's got a piece of wood with a story ready for him.
1: Well, I have I actually have a beautiful set of Brazilian rosewood that um, was actually given to me when my first son was born for him from my wood supplier. He found out that we had had our first baby, and so he sent me a surprise gift and said, basically, this is for your son, so when you make him his first guitar, he'll have the best.
2: You can learn more about Tom Bills and his company, Tom Bills Guitars, at our website, everythingsounds.org, There you can also see pictures of his guitars, instructional videos he's made, as well as a picture of the Webster University Gorlock, if you're still curious about what it looks like. Gorlock. (laughs) Gorlock. (laughs) Gorlock.
3: If you want to help out the show in a way that doesn't require much effort, head to iTunes and give us a review. It's a small gesture that goes a long way. With enough ratings and reviews, we get pushed up the iTunes rankings and will also be put on the front pages of our topics like society and culture and arts and entertainment. Those little boosts help us out and give us exposure and the chance to be discovered by more listeners. Search for
2: Everything Sounds in iTunes or find a link at everythingsounds.org. Everything Sounds is a part of the Mule Radio Syndicate. Find out more about Mule at muleradio.net. Some of Mule's shows include Decode DC with Andreas Seabrook, The Broad
3: Experience, and The New Disruptors. Again, those are at muleradio.net.
2: All of the music on today's episode was played by Tom and actually recorded by us on site in his workshop. And the song you're hearing right now doesn't have a name, but there is a nice story to go along with it.
1: I I wrote that song one day because I was having, um, it was a a Saturday morning and it was really, you know how the sun streams through the window and I was hanging out with my oldest
2: son and I was thinking, you know, what a great moment that was. Until next time, thanks for listening to Everything Sounds. I'm George Drake Jr. And I'm Craig Shank.